This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Omnibus spending package. It is just lots of toys, lots of goodies for the left on that sleigh. The same gentleman that I wrote, that I read an article from, his opinion piece, that said Republicans should not try to do any better with this omnibus spending bill, as Henry Olson also had a piece earlier this week. In his opinion, he says, Ronald McDaniel's not to blame for the GOP's election failures. And stop picking on Rana. So what? She loses election time after time after time. It's not her fault. It's not her fault. Guess whose fault it is? Nonetheless, she is facing a challenge, a stiff challenge, from Harmeet Dillon, who is on with us now. I have waited for this moment. I have heard you speak. You are electrifying people all around the country once they get to know you. Miss Dillon, welcome to the James Golden, Bo Snerly's Rush Hour here on WABC. Thanks for having me. You are a lawyer. You are a Republican Party official. You were the chairwoman of the California Republican Party. You've been a national committee woman at the RNC. What made you decide you wanted to run for the top post of the RNC? Well, Bo, I'm a volunteer in politics, and I do that in addition to all the different jobs I have, head of my law firm, the founder of a nonprofit, media work for Republican causes, uh, pro-life movement, and others, because I want to see our country be a better place where people can afford to live, be happy, be safe. Our borders should be closed, and we should, we should uh, you know, be making liberty-promoting policies. We have not been able to do that for the last several years because we keep losing elections under the tenure of the current chair. Now, to be fair, it is not solely uh, a blame that may be laid at her feet, okay? But she is the leader of the party, and I think leadership requires taking responsibility. When, when you know, I am the leader of a couple of organizations, I take responsibility for what we do. I don't point the finger at other people, say it's Trump's fault, it's bad candidate's fault, we can't do anything about it. And, you know, we turned out a bunch of votes that we really want anyway. I, I think it, I think it requires honesty. And frankly, speaking of honesty, uh, the, the chair made a commitment to the members of the RNC two years ago that she was running for her third and final term. And yet when the election didn't turn out well and for whatever personal reasons she's running for a fourth term, I think that's problematic. And so I uh, am running because I'm the only member of the RNC who stepped up. Generally speaking, the members of the RNC prefer an RNC member to be the chair. I have decades of experience, frankly, far longer than the current chair in conservative activism. I've run for office. I know the mechanics of elections. I've walked precincts. I've knocked doors. I've raised uh, you know, well over a million dollars for candidates and for party uh, operations. I've run a business, which our current chair has not done, and that really shows in our lack of Ability to properly negotiate contracts, get good deals for the party, not have outrageous expenses of fundraising and overhead, and really, you know, use the force of 
good business judgment to make sure that our, our candidates and our state parties are not being ripped off. So all of these things, I think, are things that need to be changed at the RNC. I mean, the most important thing that I would change is, frankly, get rid of the uh, current corrupt consulting class that is ripping off our small and large dollar donors and has nothing to show for it. You need consultants, but they need to be people who perform and who are only uh, paid for the next job if they performed in the last one. We don't have that right now. So there are so many reasons, um, and I frankly cannot understand why anybody thinks the status quo continuing for two more years is okay. It's not okay for us to lose the White House, the House, and the Senate, which has all occurred during the tenure of the current chair. So this is not a personality contest or anything finger-pointing. I'm looking to the future. The future is a 2024 election, which we will not win if we stay on this course. I will tell you one of the reasons why I believe that there is that there is people who do want the status quo to continue, and you you alluded to it just a few minutes ago when you talked about the consulting class. I was in for a rude awakening when I decided uh, a few years ago to form a, a super PAC to found one so that we could help move the black vote in, in America. I was stunned at what I learned. I was stunned that sometimes 80% of the money that donors are giving up go to prospectors and 20% maybe end up in the hands of the, of the, uh, the, the actual candidate that they're running. I was stunned to learn that there are people who are making millions of dollars who lose elections and what is the incentive if you're doing double, triple, quadruple billing so that you get your hands on as much money as you can? Mark Stein and I had a long talk about this um, a few months ago because this is one of the things, if you look at what Democrats, where they place their money, they place their money in the ideology that they believed in. I'm not, I'm not saying that these people don't also have people that enrich themselves. I'm not saying that at all. But they put millions and millions of dollars into ideology, into ground games. We put millions of dollars into consultants' pockets, whether they win or lose. And if you're going to be wealthy, no matter what, at the end of the campaign, what is the incentive to win? Well, let me start by saying that some of these consultants are openly contemptuous of the base of our party, the base that is today the Donald Trump voters who came in and, you know, now whether they support him or not, they are populist voters who care about bread and butter issues. They're not the country clubbers. And, you know, we have one consultant in the building who, who you know, I've, I've heard anecdotes, you know, was pulling for Hillary Clinton to win. Uh, why are we expecting from consultants like that that we will get, you know, sort of performance to elect America first candidates? We're, that's, that's silly to expect that, quite frankly. And secondly, Democrats don't do it this way. I mean, they really kind of hold their consultants accountable. They put the minimum into the party to do the minimum that the party can do. And then they sort of spend slush funds of dark money into our races and affect our outcomes of our races. <clears throat> you said millions. I'm going to tell you, Bo, it's hundreds of millions of dollars in the last few years that have gone into the pockets of consultants, fundraisers, and others who do not achieve electoral results for Republicans. It's that simple. And so Everything was fine in my race, actually. Everything was hunky-dory. Oh, that's cute. Harmeet's running until day three when I said, I want an audit of all vendors and consultant contracts at the Republican National Committee as, as my first jobs in office. And all of a sudden, every consultant in D.C. is gunning for the chair to continue with the situation that she has where staff who themselves are double-dipping 
negotiate the contracts. There's nepotism in the building. There are a lot of things in the building that I have learned that are very concerning. And I would like to change. And I think there are tens of millions of Republicans who agree with me that things need to change. You talked about the contempt that, that many people in the uh, what, what I call the establishment half of the base. We see that everywhere. We see it in terms of this spending bill that's before the American people right now, handing tens of millions of dollars to Democrat and pet projects with no opposition from the people that Republicans base, the Republican base has elected to be the opposition party. And instead, we get like this article from this guy in the Washington Post today who, one of the ones that's saying that Rona Rona McDaniels ought to continue, he wrote another article, we should just stop this because we're not going to get everything better. In other words, don't fight. Let me just turn to your vision of the Republican Party. By the way, a straw poll at Turning Point USA, which is the largest right now youth organization the Republican Party has ever had, has suggested they want to see you. You won that straw poll. They want to see you lead the RNC. Uh, My fellow brother in broadcasting, Mark Levin, has endorsed your candidacy and others. What can people do to get behind you and help you over the finish line here? Well, thank you for asking. So the voters of the RNC are the 168 members. They're indirectly elected by voters. They are directed, uh, directly elected by sort of delegates or precinct committeemen or whatever the structure is of your state party. In California, it's 1,500 delegates. In Arizona, it's precinct committeemen. In other states, it's other representative bodies. So they're two steps removed from the voters to start with. And, you know, so now what we're seeing is some of them love to hear from voters because they're grassroots people themselves. Some of them hate to hear from voters. And believe me, I have heard an earful from those people. Uh, And I've had to apologize to them that the people they represent are actually contacting them, you know, the horror. And I think the best way to go at this point is, yes, if you can politely reach out to those people and you feel like doing that, just, you know, be persuasive and not harsh. But more importantly, call for a vote of your state party on who the next chair of the RNC should be. Tennessee uh, had a standing vote at their last meeting. Arizona had a resolution of its uh, executive committee. Texas has voted also for a vote of no confidence. And, um, you know, uh, a, you know, in Florida today, it looks like there is a call for a, a meeting of the state parties, you know, executive committee as well to to take a vote on that. And both candidates for chair of the Florida GOP have both endorsed me. Uh, but the current chair who has endorsed Rana changed the date of the meeting so that he could uh, continue control that vote. So those are the shenanigans. I'm laughing because I've been in politics for a long time. These are the shenanigans we see in party politics. Low stakes in a way, but, you know, a, little, a lot of high energy to control, keep, keep control in the hands of a few, uh, a few people. So people should not give up. They should not uh, give up hope. Nothing will change if people like me don't step up and aren't supported by the listeners uh, of, your, of, your, um, of your shows, Bo. And so I, I really think that we have to stand up and make a change here. Let me join Mark and say I endorse your candidacy. We need a change. Harmi Dillon, you are the breath of fresh air that many of us have been praying would come to the RNC, and, and we wish you every success in your mission to actually bring true change to this party. Thank you so much, Bo. That means a lot to me, and you're such a patriot, and uh, and with, with the strength of all of these 
patriots out there and people who care about the future of our country, I have confidence that I'll be able to pull this off on January 27th in California. Thank you. Please join us again. You are you have an open door here on this show. Please join us as often as you'd like. We'd like the audience to get to know you better and your vision for the future of this party, something we don't have time to do right now. So come back. We'll have you come back as often as you want to. I appreciate it. Thank you. Take care. Goodbye. Thank you, now. Harmie Dillon, ladies and gentlemen, running for, by the way, some of the law work that she did, just so you know, she was out in front in trying to secure your freedom during this coronavirus madness that the Democrats was were spreading around this country. She was one of the people initiating the lawsuits so that you could be free from some of these restrictive mandates that crushed the American economy. James Golden, A.K. Snurley, coming back right after this.